Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. I want you to grab your Bibles and uh, open them up. We want to welcome all of our campuses that are joining us, Wanatong, North Judson, Hebron Campus, Anybody watching online, we are glad you are here. And don't you appreciate Greg and Lisa and all that they're doing in the mission field? Isn't that amazing? Wow. What, what an amazing team. Amen. And uh, you got your Bibles. I want you to grab that open. You got a worship guide that's there for you. You know, as we started this new year, we started looking at questions that God asked. Now, I know we often have a lot of questions and Greg made mention of all the questions that Job asked, but we've been looking at questions that God asked us. Most theologians agree that there's over 300 questions in the Old and the New Testament that God poses to his people. Now, now when God asks questions, he isn't asking to to get information or even have a conversation sometime. The reason God asks a question is to help us come to his purpose, what is his purpose in our life, and then ultimately for us to stop for a few minutes and reflect on what's being said. And this morning, our question is a very simple question, is what is in your hands? Now, I want you everybody just look at your hands, just look at your hands real quickly, just grab them, stick them right out in front of you. Most of us this morning use our hands probably to brush our teeth, right? Comb our hair, maybe eat breakfast. We've already used our teeth, or maybe used our hands to do some type of work, or maybe to already have some type of experience where we enjoy something. When, when we think about our hands, the simplicity of this question is where I want to take you today. Because in this question, it's a lesson that we can learn that God will use what we offer to him. Now, let me just set the scene a little bit. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus chapter 3, for some of you that already know, some of you that read your Bibles, you understand that Israel, the nation of Israel, been in bondage for over 400 years. God shows up to a man by the name of Moses. Now, he's 80 years of age by now. And Moses, at the the age of 80, has an encounter with God in Exodus chapter 3. He's on the backside of a desert. He's been taking care of his father-in-law's flock. And God shows up. There's a bush that gets set on fire but it doesn't get consumed. And out of that bush, God starts having this conversation with Moses of how that he's heard the cry of his people. He's going to deliver his people. But here's the newsflash. God is going to use Moses to do that. God is going to use what Moses has in his life to gift him to go and carry out the heart of God with the nation of Israel. And Moses gets in this dialogue of pushing back on God of why I can't do this. And the Lord, we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Moses speaking. Here's what Moses said. Moses said, they'll never believe me or listen to me. 
Moses protested. They will say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Now, now stop. Every one of us in this room understands anytime you go to share with somebody else what God is doing in your life, how, how he's helping transform your life, change your life, whatever it is, we, we understand there's always opposition. There will always be pushback anytime you try to witness to somebody else about what God is speaking to you about. Come on, can anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so Moses is having this, this normal conversation. They, they won't believe me, okay? They won't listen to me. Verse 2 says, then the Lord asked him, here's our question, what's that in your hand? And he answered a shepherd's staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. When Moses threw it on the ground, it became a snake, and he ran away from it. A man after my own heart. <laughs> Don't want no snake. But then the Lord said to Moses, reach out and grab the snake by his tail. What are you talking about, God? <laughs> Come on. And he reached out, and he grabbed it, and, he and it turned back into a staff as he held it. Then the Lord explained, this is going to convince the people that the Lord God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Now, now most of us in this room, if you've ever read the Bible very much, we understand that throughout the Word of God, God has this amazing ability to take whatever a person has and use it for his glory. God has this amazing ability to take anything that we will surrender it to him and bring glory out of it for the glory of God and for the good of other people. As a matter of fact, if you study the Bible, he uses some amazing things. He uses this stick, this shepherd's rod. One day he'll use a coat of Elijah. He uses a fish. He uses a slingshot. He uses the jawbone of a donkey. He uses the voice of a donkey at some time. He used the rock. He used loads of bread. I mean, over and over again, the, the creator of this universe has this amazing ability to use ordinary objects, ordinary things that have been yielded to him in faith to be able to accomplish his will. So here's the very first thing I want you to grab. It's not complicated, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, it's not complicated. It's really not. Now, now, we complicate things, we make things difficult when we try to give reasons why God can't use us or God can't use what I have or my gifts or my talents. There's a Christian legend that goes something like this. God sends every person in this world with a special message to deliver, a song to sing, or a special act of love to bestow upon others. No one else can bring your message, sing your song, or offer your love. Only you can. Everybody in this room, everybody watching, everybody at our campus, listen, everybody has something to offer to this world. God doesn't allow us to come in this world without gifting us. Now, the problem is sometimes we ignore those gifts or those talents or those abilities, or sometimes we position ourselves into a place where we try to do something God hasn't gifted us for. 
I tell people all the time, I don't want to get you out of your gift zone, but I absolutely want to get you out of your comfort zone. Because many of us live in a comfort zone where we only do those things that we're able to do in ourselves without supernatural help. Well, good preaching, Pat. I need my, I need my pulpit from, I have a horn when I preach on Thursday nights at full throttle. If I have to toot my own horn, okay, I'll do that. Maybe I need one here. But listen, every one of us knows what it is to, to, to feel something, to feel a pull, to feel a passion, to feel compassion, to have, have something uh, inside of us that said, this is what you ought to be doing. This is what you, and we know what it is to offer excuses of why we don't qualify for that. True? So we can relate to Moses. I hear people all the time, well, you know, Pastor Phil, I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough influence. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough energy. I don't have. I mean, you just, you might as well just fill in the blank of what it is that, that you think that you don't have. And every one of us in this room this morning, we understand, listen, have you ever thought about the fact that when God puts a calling on our life that he has already factored in our stupidity. <laughs> I'll just give an altar call right now. Let's repent. Listen, nobody in this auditorium, nobody watching online, has God ever looked at your life and said, oh, I didn't know that about you. He already knows. And what you and I have to do, listen, in, in many aspects, we're just like Moses because before Moses ever said yes to what God wanted him to do, he'd done his best to sidestep his calling and sidestep what God was asking him to do. He'd give all kinds of excuses. And God looked at Moses and he asks him a very simple question, what is that in your hand? And all God is trying to get Moses to do, and all I want to try to, to, to navigate with you today in this conversation is, I want you to recognize that God has already given you everything that you need to fulfill his calling in your life. He's not going to call you to, to a country, to a nation to be a missionary unless there's something there. I mean, again, that's one of our biggest fears. Oh, if I say yes to God, if I surrender, he's going to ask me to do something that I'll be miserable doing. No, he won't. Psalms 37 and 4, when you delight yourself in the Lord, when you make his priorities your priority, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. People ask me all the time, said, don't you just hate motorcycle ministry? I said, you've got to be kidding me. I love it. I, I, I love the fact that God is able to listen. I love riding horses, and, and horses are, are still just a love that I have. I see them. I think the beauty, the nature, the training. But listen, I can get on a motorcycle and go further and faster than I even think about doing a horse. But yet you still like riding. You know, you still like you're out there in the wind. In the country. When, when, when we follow the, the priorities of God, he will give us the desires of our heart. What is it in your hand? Have you ever thought about the fact when you read in John chapter 19 that when the soldiers come to, to arrest Jesus uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of the very first things that they did was tie his hands. Why would they do that? Well, they didn't want him to get in the way. Well, he was already surrendering to them. 
But listen, have you ever thought about the fact that they, they were tying the hands of a man that was able to take dirt and spit on it and make mud and put it in a man's eye, and he went away, and he washed in the pool, and he was able to see again. They tied the hands of a man that was able to lay hands on the sick and they would recover, to touch the lame. To, listen, Jesus came up to us to a, to a funeral one day in the, in the city of Nain, and the woman had her only son and had died, and he approaches the coffin, and he touches the coffin, and the guy gets, young boy gets up and goes home with his mama. No wonder they were trying to tie his hands. Why is the enemy trying to stop you today? What does he know that maybe you know that you don't want to acknowledge yet? What does he sense that you have the capacity and the capability through the power of the Holy Spirit that you're able to accomplish if only you will recognize what's in your hands? Because Jesus said this in John 14 and 12, he that Believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. You understand that that promise is to who? Who is it to? It's to a believer, right? There's, there's no exclusion here. If you are a believer, he didn't say if you're a pastor, if you're, if you're a missionary, if you're a great teacher, if, no, if you're a prophet, no. If you are a believer, you are a candidate to use your hands for the glory of God. Well, many of us believe John 6 and 35, whoever believes in me will never thirst. We believe that. Or we believe John 7 and 38, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Or we may believe John 11, 25, whoever believes in me, though he was dead, yet shall he live. Why in the world would we not believe John 14 and 12? Whoever believes shall lay hands. Are you with me? The prerequisite of that, I said it this time, Oh, I'm so proud. I struggled with that first service. Yes. I love it when I use them big words. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, I ain't going to try it again. But listen, what, what, because I almost died. What, 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 what it takes is us recognizing what, what is in our hands. So, so what, what's the challenge? Write this down. Here's the challenge. Number one, we just examine our hands. Again, God asked Moses, what's in your hand? Listen, every person only needs to examine what we personally have. Listen, it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be majestic. It doesn't have to be what your pastor has or what your husband has or your, your wife. Listen, it doesn't have to be. Listen, all you have to do is acknowledge what is it in your hand. What is God giving you that at this moment, that if you're just willing, secondly, to just empty your hand? Moses, cast it down. What's God asking him? Get rid of it. Get it out of your hand. Put it on the ground. Get ready for me to use it. Listen, e even sometimes the hardest part for us is to let go of what we have. There's a selfishness a part of me. Listen, every parent in this room understands what I'm about to tell you. You do not have to teach your children to be selfish. One of our pastors, Pastor Lindsay, Pastor Chris, have two beautiful girls, Elena and, and uh, 
The other one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do. I'm sorry. Avery, no? Okay. But anyway, listen. Pastor Lindsay and, and Chris, they're not selfish people. They 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 give, they stole. Chris volunteers, his wife sir. Listen, but but they have a, a land is three years old. Friday night was down at Pastor James and Amanda was sec- decorating for them. They they're having their first baby. Man, we're so excited for Pastor James and Amanda down in North Judson. North Judson down there, you need to give it up for your great pastor because they're amazing people down there. And uh I, I don't do baby showers, but I can decorate. I'm okay to decorate. Saranda so took me down there, and we're decorating. And Elena shows up, and another child has a toy, and Elena likes that toy. She grabs that toy. I mean, she doesn't have that toy two minutes until she uses the phrase, mine. But she didn't get it from Lindsay or Chris. Certainly not. It is human nature that when we get something in her hand, we think it's ours, isn't it? And one of the biggest things that we struggle with the fact, are we willing to let go of that? Are we willing to just drop it? Will we surrender it to God? Or how long will you go and spend your life? Well, this is my time. It's my money. It's my house. It's my car. It's my, my, my. No, 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 no. Listen, some of us have got the opera disease. Me, 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 me. No, it's not. What would happen if we emptied? And then thirdly, embrace God's hand. Once Moses lets go of that simple shepherd's rod, God uses it to perform many impossible tasks. Many of them are recorded in the Bible. That same rod that he held and he dropped and he surrendered it and said, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. He goes to the Red Sea not too long after this, and he stretches it out over the Red Sea, and the wind blows, and the Red Sea pulls back, and the children of Israel walk over on dry ground. The same rod, they will come up to a time in their life when they need water. And God will say, Moses, take that rod and hit the rock. And Moses hit a rock and water just gushed out of it. Why? Because he was willing to let go of what he had, empty his hand and embrace what God had for him. We know the miracles wasn't in the rod, was it? No, it was in the power of God using the rod. The rod was just simply uh, an example of Abraham's submission to God. So write this down in your notes. When we make available to God whatever we are holding in our hands, we will always be astonished by what God can do with it. What's in your hand right now? When, when we give God just a handful of our time, our talent, our treasure, our temple, listen, he will multiply it for his good and his kingdom. It is God who multiplies whatever we give him. And listen, when we surrender to him, he does more with it than we could ever do without him working with us. I pastored in Kentucky years ago. There was this country store that had, that had the you know, country store, a little general store. They sold everything, kind of like a hardware store. They had a guy in there by the name of Jimmy. Jimmy, everybody in that community said, Jimmy is the laziest man in our community. 
He had a job in this place, but he sat behind the counter. You walk in, if you needed anything, he would just point or grunt. He never got, he never extended any energy to do anything. One day, one day this guy walks into the, to the little store and he looks around and he noticed Jimmy is not sitting in the place that he normally sits. And he asked the owner, he said, hey, where's Jimmy at today? And the owner said, Jimmy has retired. <laughs> and the guy said, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to fill the vacancy? And here's what he said, Jimmy left no vacancy. <laughs> there was nothing that Jimmy was doing that's left the void. But here's my question. Are you ready? Would you leave a vacancy if you were gone? Is there a blank that's being filled right now by your life and your presence and your time and your talent and your temple and everything that you're doing that if something happened that you left, would you leave a vacancy? We talk about this all the time about our churches. We want our churches to have an impact and influence in every city, in every community where we at, to the point that if it come to the day, if something happened, that we decided to shut our doors, that the whole community would rise up and say, no, Pastor Phil, there's no way Heartland can leave. Can I tell you, a lot of churches don't live that way. There's churches that we know that have been open and they've been closed and nobody even knew about it. They had no influence. They had no impact. The Scripture makes a powerful point in Proverbs 3.27. Here's the Message Bible. It says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that per person. You understand that? Your hands is God's help for that person. Never walk away. The, the Samaritan is a great example of that. The good Samaritan in the New Testament, he teaches that we have to seize the moment. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. We have to seize the moment. We have to do what we can at that moment. Listen, love isn't something that we feel. Love is something that we do. Oh, I love the world. Oh, I love my community. Oh, I love the lost. Oh, I, I love my family. What are you doing to demonstrate that love? Good preaching, isn't it? Yes. The Samaritan saw, but he did more than see. He went and he responded because he understood that his hands would be used of God. He took action. Listen, he stooped down to the injured man. He, he used what he had. He used wine to disinfect. He used oil to, uh, to smooth the wound. Listen, he, he did his very best to do all he could to bandage up these God's wound and take him to a place of lodging and said, let him rest, let him heal, and put it all on my account. Isn't that amazing? Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. When was the last time you opened your eyes and you realized, wait a minute, God has uniquely positioned me at this plant, at this office, in this community, in this relationship. He has uniquely positioned me to the point that my hand may be the only hand that they can ever, that could ever be used to connect this person with God. 
We know there's people in our culture today, in our community, that have been so hurt by the church and hurt by life experiences. Again, Greg and Lisa talked about people who experience loss and hurt, how they turn away. They, they feel like it's a curse of God. What is it? What, what, what if God has put you and positioned you in the people's lives where you are the person that's going to be able to take that person's hand and reconnect that person back to God? And it never happened if we don't recognize what's in our hands. So what are the three keys? Real quickly, I got to hurry. Number one, just realize that your hands are special. Again, put, put, put your hands out there. Look at your knuckles. Look at your knuckles. Just look at those knuckles. And then flip it around. Look, look at your hand for just a minute. The palm of your hands. The, 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 that your hands represent more than just skin and bones, doesn't it? How many are saying that hands reveal stuff about us? Hands reveal whether or not you work hard. You, 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 you're a real blue-collar person. You ever shook hands with somebody and felt like they had, their hands was leather? You, you could tell they work. You ever took, shook hands with somebody and just, you just slip-sliding away? You're thinking, oh, my God, like a jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, come on. We, what, what does that tell you? Now, it did, doesn't mean that person's a bad person. Maybe they just use a lot of lotion. I don't know. But what, what it tells you is that that person doesn't have a job in which their hands has to be used hard. Maybe they sit behind a computer. Maybe they talk on the phone. So, so it's nothing, nothing played down about what they do. But our hands just reveal. Listen, ultimately, your hands will reveal your age. Now listen, we can do something up here, we can do something here, 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 but you can't do nothing here. Yeah. You see it. You see these actors. You see the people who spent all the money and they've been touched and dabbed and doodled and whatever, and all of a sudden in that commercial their hands reveal, that person's old. Yeah, they, 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 they talk to us. But God wants us to understand there's something special about our hands. We have a photo of my dad before he passed away at the age of 90 years and seven days. In a few minutes, the dad's laying in the bed and his hand is clasped and he has a little New Testament. Dad loved giving away New Testament Bibles and that New Testament Bible is in his hand and he's just clutching it. I look at my hand right here. I got a scar that when I was a little kid out playing and I fell and I tripped and I fell on a broken bottle, a Coke bottle that was broken, I just sliced my hand. Now, my mom did the best she could, but that was before you could run to the emergency room, you know, and, and get all the shots and get the Band-Aid. You know, she, she took me in. She washed it. She, she, she tried to bring it together. She poured iodine all over it. I don't even know if you can buy iodine anymore. It's probably illegal, isn't it? Some of you don't even, what's iodine? You don't want to know. It burns like fire. <laughs> it's hot. But, 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 but I carry that scar that's still there. It reminds me of that event in my life. Some of you have got things in your hands that you, when you look back, you say, oh, I remember. I remember the first time I held sunshine in my hand. I remember the first time I held Matthew in my hand. And I'm thinking, is this it? Is this really? This is it. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Then we started holding grandchildren. 
And you know, it's amazing, it's amazing what, what happens, how the, how the change happens in, in people's lives, you know, and, and the fact that when, when, you, when your kids are born and how they come around and, 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 and the things that begin to take place and how you, how you kind of see uh, that moment and that, that deal in their life of how it just impacts you. And you don't, you don't forget those kind of days. You know, it's been said that, that over the years, if, if we understand the fact that if we raise our children and teach them values and morals, we can spoil our grandkids. But if you spoil your kids, you'll end up raising your grandkids. It's important we understand the value of the hands and how we can impact people. So what do we do? We just, we just simply, I love what Deuteronomy says, seven days you shall celebrate a feast to the Lord your God in the place where the Lord chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands. God wants to bless our hand, so we realize our hands are special. Secondly, we release the power in our hands. Have you ever thought about the fact of how God uses hands? Hands can be used to hurt or they can be used to heal. Matter of fact, I just did a quick review. In the New Testament alone, there's some 39 references to people laying hands on somebody else. And miraculous things happening. Are you ready? We'll be here at about 1 o'clock. Let's go through all 39. No, I don't want to do that. I want to give you just five. There's five categories we're laying on the hand. The Bible talks about in, in Acts 19 and 6, the Holy Spirit was conveyed upon people when hands was laid upon them. And then miracles of physical healing happened through the laying on of hands. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, there was 15 places where Jesus laid hands on the sick, and he speaks about the power that he gives us laying hands on the sick. And when we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. We read one earlier in Mark 16 and 17. The signs will follow them that believe, not the preacher, not the pastor, not the apostle. If you're a believer, in my name, you'll cast out devils. You'll speak in your tongue. You'll take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. You lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I might say, well, Pastor Phil, if you're going to believe laying hands on the sick, then you're also going to believe if you drink any deadly thing, Right? Yeah, yeah, but listen, he isn't talking about going out and tempting God with, with drinking poison. Say, hey, look at my faith. You know, this is not a snake handling church. I want to tell you right now. I got a way I deal with snakes and rats and things like that, and it's a shotgun, okay? And it's not a, that's not a metaphor. <laughs> it is a real shotgun. I shoot snakes and rats, Okay. But I was, years ago, let me just tell you, years ago, I'm traveling, I'm in Ohio, and the pastor takes me out to this restaurant to eat before service at night. And we're, we're sitting there, and we're eating, and I noticed the french fries that I got. Listen, it's always safe. Order french fries, get ketchup. You can eat anything else that you have to eat. So I'm eating my french fries, and, and all of a sudden, the, the help out of the kitchen keeps running. Just three, there's only three or four people in that, in that little restaurant, and, and they keep coming out, looking at me, and walking. Looking back, coming out, looking at me, I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? I mean, I, mean, I know I don't have good food etiquette, but surely they're not going to cite me for that. 
And I'm eating, and all of a sudden, they come out, and the, the owner comes out, and they said, sir, how are you feeling? I said, well, I'm, I'm feeling great, I guess. I'm feeling, well, sir, I just, I don't want to alarm you, but we think you might have been poisoned. <laughs> okay, no problem. I ain't going to freak out. We think you might have been poisoned. We think you might have been poisoned. I said, oh, really? And, and the pastor looked at me and said, well, what do you think? Well, we think we should go to the hospital. We think you should have your, your pumice up. Listen, uh, your, your stomach pump. Listen, I don't want nobody sticking anything down my throat. Listen, I, hate, I, hate, I don't even take vitamins that I have to swallow pills. I hate that stuff. And, and they, they said, well, sir, you've got to go. I said, listen, I'm not going. And I looked at the pastor. I said, wait a minute. I said, did we not, did we not, before we ever took one bite, did we not pray over this food? Yes. I said, do you not remember me saying, Lord, if there's anything harmful, if there's anything bad, Lord, you take it out. You protect me. He said, yeah, I heard. I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm fine. And the guy looks at me and said, no, you're crazy. Okay. We left the restaurant. Every, I kid you not, every hour on the hour, they kept calling the church parsonage. Is he okay? Is he still alive? Yes. Now listen, it wasn't anything deliberate that I did. I did. I didn't try. But listen, I believe that God can protect us from that kind of stuff, even more so in this day. But also, the Bible said, we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We can believe that our hands can be used for the Holy Spirit, for physical healing. Spiritual deliverance comes through laying on of hands. There's people in our lives that God is bringing in our lives today. Listen, you can't love the devil out of some people. You understand? You can't. Now, listen, you love them, but you can't love the devil out of them. So there's some people that's coming in our life today that we need to be so connected with what God can do to our hands that we can stand and we can speak to that enemy of oppression, that enemy of depression, whatever the enemy is trying to oppress that person, and that person can be set free in the name of Jesus. It isn't trying to love them free. It's saying Jesus is greater than any power that Satan has in your life. Do they believe that? Laying over hands convey a spiritual blessing happens. It, it happened in Matthew 19 when, when, they, when they brought little children to Jesus and they, they wanted Jesus to pray over them and bless them. Listen, it's so important. We talk to our parents, and we've got some amazing parents in, in, our, in our church and all of our campuses. You love your kids. I understand that. But listen, we have a culture today that we have, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, we want to shove everybody down the same path. Listen, Thomas Edison, he, listen, the guy who perfected the electrolyte bulb, the guy who, who, who invented the phonograph, listen, he was designated by his teachers as a class dummy. Einstein was considered by his teachers to be slow and totally unteachable. What, what does that tell us? Listen, it's amazing that sometimes out of God's sense of humor that, he, that, that there are times that he gives certain people and certain children hidden talents that go unrecognized because they look different and they learn different. Good preaching, Pastor Phil. Every one of us in this room knows some parent 
who's had a child that they were struggling with because they were slow and, and wasn't learning or grasping, they get frustrated. And out of their frustration, they say these, these words that can be tormenting to a child. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? Come on, give it now. I know you've never done that. You, but you probably know somebody. That child doesn't know why he can't be like his brother or his sister. And oftentimes, they have this tremendous hurt and they get wounded. And the problem isn't the child. The problem is the parent that doesn't recognize that, that God appoints children with different things in their hands. And no child has an obligation to be like any other child. They're different, just like snowflakes. They're created different. Am I preaching to anybody today? Listen, what, what we have an obligation as parents and grandparents is that we want to pull out of what God has made a deposit in their, in their lives. Listen, we want to speak into the, what the gifts and the talents that are there. We don't want to discourage them. We want to encourage them. And I, I, I know you're different. I know you, listen, uh, listen, there, there are so many, there's so many times in my life that, that, that people tried to speak negative things over me. And listen, I, I got, I got spanked. I got timed out. I got kicked out. I got ignored. I got, you know, just don't pay no attention to him. But all along the way, God kept sending a few people in my life that would say, God's gifted you. You got a talent. There's something different about you. Yeah, you're not like the rest of your brothers and sisters. Yeah, we get that. But God's got his hand upon your life. You follow me? Boy, I'm so glad I listened to those one or two voices instead of listening to all the naysayers. Now I got to stand and do what I used to always get in trouble with. That's yelling at everybody. <laughs> I thought I knew all the answers. Now I'm up here to get to place. I get to tell you, I think I got the answers. Oh, I love this church. Well, listen, I got to wrap this thing up. God listed specifically in his word how we use our hands to heal, to deliver, to strengthen, to, to, to bring about. So what do we do? We, we realize our hands. We, we release what's in our hands. And then lastly, as we kind of get come to come, Pastor Lindsay, is we reflect on the following words. We, we, just, we just stop for just a few minutes. And we reflect on these words. Number one is, these hands have power. Power to get wealth. We stop for just a few minutes and, 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 just, and just recognize, the, these, these hands have power to heal the sick. These hands have power to set the captive free. The, these, these hands, if I just stop for a few minutes... When, when we move in obedience to God's plan and for our life, we position ourselves for a breakthrough of miracles. Time and time again, the work of the hands keeps coming up. The work of your hands. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? I, I read this poem. I don't know who it's from. I just found it, and I just started meditating on it. But, it. but it goes like this. The Lord said to me, go. And I said, who, me? And the Lord said, yes, you. But I answered, I, I feel really inadequate. I don't have the gifts. I, I don't know enough. And the Lord said, you're stalling. <laughs> right? I said, go. 
But I answered again, but what happens if I fail? What happens if I don't have what it takes? What happens what other people say? Oh, please send someone else, Lord. And the Lord said, stop stalling and just go. But I said, I, I feel like I'm on, on, I'm on my own. Who will help me? It's too scary. And the Lord said, I will never be far away from you if you will just go. So I went. So I went. Use what's in your hand. What is the resource? I asked, I asked Amber, Amber, make your way up here real quickly. We got a young couple in our church. It's just amazing. Her husband's having to work today. But, but she has amazing testimony of just simply not being afraid to use. You, you got a mic? Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. I'll share mine. I want it back because I want to preach more. But So last week, some of you might have seen my husband and I, Joey, we launched our faith-based apparel business. Now, this has been about a year in the works. Um, I'd say there was a time where we started last year, and then I had this fear of failure come over me. I was like, I don't think we can do this. I don't think we have time. So we put it off. And I think it was in January, Pastor Phil preached a message about stepping into your calling. And I was immediately convicted. Um, about a week ago, on, well, on Wednesday, we launched this business. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Like, going up to it, I was like, I don't know if we can do this. I got that fear of failure come over me again, but I was like, you know what, I'm gonna trust God. We're gonna launch it on Wednesday. And Thursday morning, <laughs> my boss called me from my desk job and offered me this amazing promotion. And um, it came with a title change. It came with a, a raise, <laughs> something that I could have never imagined. And that was something you usually don't get until you hit the two-year mark. And he said, I know it's a few months early, but you truly deserve it. So ultimately, it just went to show, like, if you trust God and you're obedient to him, he will bless you, like, beyond imagined. So. Come on, give Amber a good hand. That is amazing. It, it, it starts with just giving whatever resources that we have already in our hand, just giving it to God. Look at this last statement I put in your notes. When the ordinary things of life are surrendered to the purposes of God, he can use them in extraordinary ways. The key to our involvement is always obedience. You understand that? The key to our involvement is always just obedience. God can use anything we have if we just let go of it. Now again, I'm not going to ask you to come put your billfold on, on the altar or put your uh, your your uh, checkbook on the altar, your calendar, or what? Well, what what I'm going to ask you this morning in the service: What is it that God has put in your hand? Would you be willing to take what God has already given you? Say, God, I want to. I really want to see your kingdom advance. I want to see your blessings in my life. Again, Amber did what she wanted to do. This this has been a heart thing that her and Joy had. They, they want to accomplish this. And she stepped out and did that. And then God turned around on the backside and said, I'm going to bless you exceedingly more than you even asked to think. 
I'm going to let you get this blessing over here and over here. Isn't that just like God? He just far more. Come on, I want you to stand. I got to quit. My time is up. But listen, what, what I want to challenge you to do this morning, I, and I want to pray for you. I, early this morning, I just, I just wrote a, a, just a quick prayer of just writing this. Because I, I, want, I want you to experience this in your life. I love our church, what God's calling this church to do, and, and, and the challenge that we have with our Sunshine Center and the ministries there and, and the impact and the influence we're going to have in this community. Just amazing. But listen, it, it can never happen if we don't have people that just constantly surrendering to God. What do we have in our hands? You, you look at Greg and Lisa, and you see, I mean, listen, they're, they're just... They're so humble. They're so, they're so meek. They're so quiet. They're, they're, listen, they're, they're not giant of a people physically. Can we tell you where they're giants in? They're giants in their faith. Because they step out in the situation, then they say, God, we know we can't do this, but you can do it through us. And they stepped out. They went into countries. They went into places that most people would be totally terrified to go into. I would never go there. No, and God would never call you there. And when he calls you somewhere, he's going to equip you to do that. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to listen to this prayer. Then we're going to pray together. I ask the Heavenly Father that every person hearing our voice today, Lord, help us to take captive of every thought and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you. God, help us to remove every distraction. There's some of us here this morning, the, the, the voices of this world, the clamor of this world, the distractions of this world. God, I ask you that every blinder come off, that every shackle or religious tradition just fall down. God, I pray for those hearing our voice will begin to see their hands the way that you see their hands. Father, we rejoice today that our hands are an extension of your hands. May our eyes be open to that today, Jesus. May our eyes be open to that. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.